The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Hey! Oh, no! <laughs> Hi, I'm Lenora. I'm the creator of The Bitchy Bookkeeper. Hi, I'm Kristen. I'm the author of The Age of the Child. Hi, I'm Isabel, founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark. And we are the three founding non-mothers of Child Free Girls. In today's episode, we have Tom James with us from the UK. Welcome, Tom. We're very happy to have you here. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Nice to see you all. And Tom is an author. So uh, you released a book this, earlier this year called Your Children Are Boring. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it still and, makes me laugh when I hear it out loud. <laughs> So we, we actually, like, we've read your book and it's, it's hilarious. It's so funny. Like I was laughing, crying. And I think Lenora mentioned the same thing about your book. I mean, it's just really, really funny and entertaining. I'm, I'm sure you had to do like a lot of research on it. So I, I first want to, you know, how was the process for, for writing this book? I didn't really intend to write it, first of all. It, it sort of, it genuinely happened. Um, by accident I was uh and it was funny because on one of your previous shows that I watched a very similar thing happened to me that obviously happens happens all the time every day to particularly to to child-free people which was I was out with some friends I was with my girlfriend at the time and we were both asked though more pointedly aimed at her when are you two gonna have kids and um it just it's it just made me all of a sudden quite acutely aware that oh wow that's happened quite a few times in my life um that i've experienced that <laughs> and um with different people and it's always more pointed towards the woman in the relationship in my experience at least and i think that tends to be the experience as well um and it started me thinking i just started thinking about um how we seem not all of us, but, but a large part of society seems particularly obsessed with children at the moment. Um, it's not the fault of the children, really. <laughs> it's the adults, obviously. Um, and um, I started thinking about what it was that, that frustrated me about it, because I, I'm surrounded by all my friends, literally every friend I have has got kids. Um, and I'm a godparent a couple of times, and... Uh, and I do mentoring and stuff like that. So I've got no problem with children. Um, but what I found irritating was the parents and a particular type of modern parent, I think, who is kind of constantly ramming the idea of parenthood down your throat or, or, or even almost physically shoving their kid in your face and stuff like this. And it started off as sort of, I just thought, oh, you know, what? I'm going to write a couple of little pieces about it. Um, it's, it's something to rant about. And, and actually, over time, I, I started digging deeper and deeper in it. Before, before I started writing this book about maybe a year and a half ago, I didn't know there was a child-free movement. I had no idea that there was such a thing. Um, I, I would have still been saying childless and things like that. And, um, and as soon as I started delving into it, I found, I, I found out that. Um, I, looked at, um, I, I started researching a lot of sort of uh, different writers and authors, a lot of them parents. You find your, your the biggest allies I've had, frankly, other than have <laughs> been a lot of parents, because they find I think a lot of this uh, this particular brand of parenting 
that is uh, that is quite prevalent at the moment, really frustrating and unnecessary. So it was it was a lot of research. It was a lot of um, a lot of editing as well because if all your friends are parents, there's a big part of you that in your head is thinking, "Shit, am I going to have any friends at the end of this?" And um, <laughs> thankfully, so far it's all right. It's okay. But um, but a lot of it was uh, was looking online, and I spent a lot of time sort of looking at um, some child-free uh, sort of authors and things like that. But a lot of it was just around people's experiences, and you get such rich, uh, ranty, uh, uns- uncensored information on forums and things like that. Particularly on parenting forums, are just it's crazy out there. So um, so it was a lot of research. But it, but most of all, it was just it was a fun rant and moan at parents, which they need. They need it. Yeah, I, I was just going to follow up actually with exactly the parenting forum because there's one specifically that you mentioned throughout the book, um, and I just I'm, I've never been in a parent like I've never read any posts on any parenting forum for obvious reasons. But now I'm actually interested. Like, is it a good place to go and find? <laughs> information. I mean, is it good for a child-free person to go into a parenting forum and be like, yes, I made that decision? I don't know. I think, I mean, I went in there with a very, very clear sort of goal and objective about what I wanted to find out. And um, I was just, why well, I was surprised at, so I wanted to see basically what was the, what was the tone that people took around their kids and and, and about other parents, because um, all of us can be judgmental in, in, in everyday life, but you do see it a lot, parent on parent as well. And um, I wanted to see that. But what you found on, on Mumsnet was the, is the one I mentioned most, which is a UK uh, sort of monster of a, of a parenting site. And um, But they, they, they were just, uh, I think they find other parents more annoying than any of us ever could way more annoying um and um i don't think it's terribly relevant for us as child-free people a lot of the time i think it would just you just constantly you shake your head and just think god why on earth are you doing this you say you sound you're such terrible adverts for parenting for a start because they all seem so miserable <laughs> and they're just constantly moaning and um and obviously that's just the you're getting the little slither of the highlights if you like but um uh, yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it's, a, it doesn't always make me think it's a happy place to be in. No. You get good advice on how to remove stains and things like that, if, <laughs> if that's what you want. <laughs> uh, well, I hear Mummy, is it Scary Mummy Confessions is the, the site that I stumbled upon when I started blogging about being child-free, because I was like you when I started I started writing in 2018 and before that I did not know the term child free either. I did, was not aware of the child free community and I came across scary mummy confessions, which is, you know, again, anonymous postings. And that's the one I, I'm most familiar with. It's uh, it's funny. It's entertaining more than anything. Just a little sneak peek inside the brain of someone who has children, you know, who doesn't think anyone else who's not a parent is watching. So that's always, that's always it's fun. It's strange, isn't it? It's strange that, that someone, that we felt that was necessary, that all of a sudden that people stop being normal just because they have kids or they stop being the person they were. Like all of a sudden there's this 
there's this magical epiphany and they stop being assholes and they, and they just become lovely people because they've had a kid. And of course they don't. They're just that <laughs> person with a kid. Um, and it's a, it's a big, um, I used to think, I don't know if you ever had this thought, but I used to think I couldn't work out why I didn't really want to have kids. I could never really put my finger on it. Or, or I, if I think about it, I, I used to just default to the idea that, oh, I'm just too selfish, probably. It's probably that. And, and it was because I'd heard that when I was younger. I'd heard that a lot, that you, it makes you less selfish and so on. And I think what, as soon as you start thinking about the entire concept of it, of course, of course it doesn't make you less selfish. It's by definition, it doesn't make you less selfish, really. It, it demands that you don't, you can't just exist on your own, but, but then that that's, doesn't mean you're not selfish. You know, one, I saw one, one woman once described it as, a mother once described it as, it's like falling in love, having a baby. It, it produces the same sort of reaction and, and environment where all you think about is you and that person and no one else, everyone else can go to hell. Um, which is necessary in nature for you to be like that. But it's the opposite of being uh, selfless. You are not, you're just not thinking about anyone but you two, not even the husband or the partner in, in lots of cases. So it's, um, yeah, it's fascinating. It develops into something where you've, in lots of cases, you see them using their kids almost as a prop, like a, 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 something to use in social media and say, look, <laughs> I'm a dad or I'm a mum, isn't that good? That's my identity now. And I don't think it's enough, personally. I don't think it's very fair on the kid either. You know, being called selfish is, I guess, the staple. I mean, the, the one thing that all child-free people have in common is we've been called selfish at one point or another because we've decided not to have any children. Mm. But there's something on your book um, that you mentioned about, I think it was an anthropologist that in one of their studies, almost half of child-free couples were leaving something in their wills to a charity or something that is of a higher purpose. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Far, far more likely. I'm sorry. They're far more, we're far more likely to leave our money or our assets to a charity or to some sort of, um, it, um, it was funny. I was again, listening to your interview with Dan and, uh, you you asked that question, which you, you might have, you might ask later. So I'm sorry if I ruin it. But you asked the question of him, which I thought was really interesting about, um, you know, what do you do when you, uh, if you reach the, you know, towards the end of your life, where you don't have kids to look after you, and it's, um, and he was talking about you know wills and things like that. And I've recently done my will before the coronavirus uh, thing happened, um, thankfully, and um, I, I've. You know, I immediately started thinking about which charitable organisations I'm going to leave money to and stuff like that. And so, of course, this is what happens. Needless to say, I mean, outside of that, the environmental impact, if that's your bag, it just doesn't even, it's obscene, the environmental impact that having kids has, particularly in the West, because of the, the impact of disposable nappies and just bringing another human on the planet, which, you know, is necessary, arguably. Um, it's yeah. There's all sorts of reasons to look at it and think mm, maybe it's not not the most selfless of acts. And then also, um, you know, lots of I loved uh, I I knew a little bit about Dolly Parton before I researched the book, 
but, but I, I knew an awful lot more by the end of it and not so much her music, just, just um, what an extraordinary human she is and, um, and how many sort of adopt, uh, adoptive children she's, she's sort of helped and, um, and the various foundations and things like that. She probably wouldn't have done that if she'd had kids, you know, and she kind of admits that or she wouldn't have been able to do it to that extent. And um, so it's, yeah, it's certainly not a given that we're, we're selfish, that's for sure. Speaking of uh, people like celebrities, you list uh, a, a good number of people that had children who are relatively infamous for, uh, I, I mean, I didn't know all the names on there. Before I get to the question or the, the thing I want to discuss, I noticed you put the Queen in that list. I'm a fan of the Queen, so I'm just going, why did you put, mind you, maybe I'm assuming as to which Queen you're referring to, but I was like, why did you put the Queen in that list? Because I kind of like her. Um, I'm not putting you on the spot there, but no, I just thought, I don't think, I think at the moment I'd be okay. I wouldn't get beheaded. They've got other things to deal with right now. Um, <laughs> I don't want. I don't want the queen. I have no problem really. With the <laughs> Just the, the the list that you added her on. I was like, oh, okay. And then of course you listed. You had the people of those that chose not to have children. Yeah. And okay, now what? What was my question? I have to edit that part. <laughs> okay, so you list two kinds of people. You list famous people that didn't have children and famous people that do have children. Hmm. So there's an argument that people would make and I've heard this argument before, they go, well, you're using extreme examples. Like when we mentioned Oprah didn't have children. Mm. And they're like, well, yeah, but Oprah, like that's such an extreme example of someone who's doing good for the world who didn't have kids. Most of us regular folk, we have to have kids because that's the only way we can contribute. So I just want to talk a little bit about what your thoughts are on, you know, us average Joe people who, you know, may or may not be wealthy and publicly um, able to contribute on such a high scale, but what we can do, like just everyday people in our everyday lives that can contribute to the well-being of the planet and to humanity without having kids, because that seems to be the thing that people use to say they contribute um, positively to humanity, which we all know how we feel about that. But just for people that are watching who may or may not know that there's other options. I guess, okay, it's a good question, because I think you know, much as that, so those lists were obviously put in there to, mainly to make people laugh. And the reason I put the Queen in there, because I quite like putting the Queen next to Mussolini. I thought it was quite funny. Um, <laughs> but um, it is sort of to make a point, which is anyone, arguably anyone can have a kid, right? Anyone can. It is a, it's a biological reality. It's something you can just do for most for most people, you know. Um but that doesn't mean that it doesn't then necessitate a certain type of behavior. Um, just like, you know, any of us child-free people could go off and lead a horrible existence and be really, you know, foul towards people and cause upset wherever we go. But so could someone with kids. We might have a little more time to spend doing it. <laughs> but um, that doesn't really make any difference. I think that, um, I think the thing is that, you know, I mean, I, I don't care about animals more than I care about people necessarily. Maybe I do. But, um, but I think there's, you do realize how much more you can, how much more you can contribute to society if you want to, 
you know that's the thing it just gives you more it gives you more choices to do that and that's all that's all any of it is it's a choice you could adopt you know so many so many people could adopt and don't so many people could foster or or help children or or young people in lots of other ways that don't require you to pass on your 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 genes um it doesn't um I think it's just about what sort of a person you want to be. And the point was really to say that having a child does not, it doesn't magically transform you. Obviously, it doesn't transform you into some sort of Francis of Assisi wonderful character. It, it just means you've had a child. You could be, you know, there are plenty of terrible parents out there, you know, who happen to be terrible people before they became parents. And there are plenty of really kind and lovely people who didn't become parents. It wasn't to say child-free, look, we're better, um, so much as it was to say, you know, stop calling us selfish. One of, the, uh, one of the most amusing times I spent was on the, what's it called, the Voluntary Human Extinction Movements website. We're talking about antinatalism, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> So what are your what were your what was your reaction to spending some time there and and being introduced to not only that experiment but just antinatalism in general? I I am sympathetic to it. Uh, I don't I wouldn't um, I wouldn't necessarily support it, and I, I don't think that I think it's very easy to uh, sort of throw everyone into buckets all the time and sort of say all of this is bad or all of this is bad um but i do and i think it's it's unfortunately it's like someone's just or some people have basically said look no one's listening there are other potential uh you know remedies to the world's problems but no one listens to these so it should just be complete extinction (laughs) and and i do i do sympathize with that because it's very easy to have uh, not much faith in the human race um, because we do seem to mess things up quite regularly. So I'm sympathetic, but um, I'm not ready to get behind it completely, I wouldn't say. Who's going to look after all the cats? That's true. <laughs> so he's a, you're a part-time antinatalist like, like Lenora. Except I am not volunteering to look after people's cats. There's something that we haven't talked about on this show yet. I've alluded to it based on my religious upbringing, but you mentioned the term cult, which always excites me whenever, because I like to lump in parenting, parenthood, or the cult of parenthood, like parenting and cult all get shoved in together. And I like that you brought that up because I feel so strongly, especially with motherhood. Like they try, you know, you say that nobody tells you how bad things are inside the cult, which is hilarious because without offending certain people who are watching who know what religion I'm talking about that I grew up in, oh my goodness, it's it's horrendous. And uh, But nobody talks about the... It's not until that you leave and have a safe distance and you talk about it with other members who have left, you go, I can't believe that this is what we thought. So, you know, talking about parenting messaging boards and all of the secret conversations that parents have between each other and not, and they, they don't share with us child free people. And yet they tell us all the good things. Like I, I like that part of the book just because 
I, I, I want to have the parenthood cult conversation because I 100% believe that it is. Like, they're like, join us, join us. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then you're, you're like, holy, what is all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it is, it was, I think that was my first, um, my first sort of uh, real uh, moment where I thought I might write about this was, was when I felt this is a bit like a cult because there is that, as you say, there's this kind of, Join us, everyone step in and, uh, you know, and it starts with, so when are you two going to have a kid? You know, it starts with that. And then, um, and then it sort of, it grows into, into these sort of friendships that are formed purely by your circumstance. So the dads make friends at the, at the, at the classes, at the natal classes, the, the mums make friends and they, and they start to form these groups of, friends and I've got friends that have done this you know and I've met their friends from the antenatal classes and there's nothing wrong with them more or less but at some point their friendships have been, it's to me it struck me that they were almost formed in a laboratory or in a cult but but in a laboratory and that it was sort of you will be friends with my husband and and, and this that this happens in normal life anyway so you, you know it can happen right but um it seemed particularly tied obviously towards the children so then you throw in all these weird variables in the, in this particular cult which is what what if the kids don't get on right because i i never had this growing up I'm, a, I'm of a generation where this did not happen this is a newer thing that's come about i think with with more of the classes and things like that um so what if the kids don't go, get along what if the dads don't get along because it'll often be the dads because they'll be secondary because of the way the classes are built. Um, and then what happens when people get divorced? Because you form this friendship in these sort of units, in these weird units. And I've seen, I've seen this play out now a few times. And it's, um, it's weird because it feels, not in every case, but in lots of cases, it feels really forced. You know, because the mums have built a relationship um, based on the fact that they were giving birth at the same time, you know, and they're going through something incredibly big. And the dads haven't really built it in that way. They get kind of in a secondary <laughs> way. So it's not quite as strong a bond. And so you watch these relationships and you think, why are you doing this? It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't look fun. Everything starts to look the same in these various parented houses. The, They've all got the terrible drawings on the walls that the kids have done, you know, where they, they all look the bloody same as well. They all look like a blue spider with a handbag, and that's mummy. Is it? Because, is it? Nice, that was right? one of the reasons, I mean, in addition to not wanting children just because I didn't want children, uh, as I got older and saw people having children and what that meant, that whole um, mommy bonding and and um, play dates and minivans, like everything having to do with uh, having to be a part of that clique was uh, just the least appealing thing. And it, it just kind of reinforced how happy I was to have not made that choice because it's not, I mean, I'm pretty good at being antisocial. I don't need to, to hang out <laughs> with people. I can get out of it. I'm, I've gotten really good at it. But there are times when you can just feel kind of forced into it or, or drawn beyond your control into it. And I'm just glad I wasn't. Well, yeah, but they, I mean, like a lot of religions or cults, 
they get you when you're at your most vulnerable. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you're in stirrups. What are you going to do? You're like, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, God. Okay. We'll be yeah. friends. <laughs> I like the blue spidery handbag version of me that exists because I have two nephews and they've given me those photos over the, or those drawings over the years. I have, I have some great uh, Deadpool drawings that my eight-year-old thought he was eight or seven at the time has given me so i can i can understand a bit because i love my nephews and so it's cute when they give them to you but to shove them in people's faces uh i want to i have to look at what you you said like the you you referred to those drawings as like the worst slideshow from hell or something i don't know it was hilarious i have to go to school or PowerPoint presentation or something. I have to scroll. I don't know what your exact wording of it was, but it was hilarious. Uh, but to be fair to my nephews, I do like those drawings, but anybody else's kid, not so much. Yeah, it's an emotion, emotional connection, right? Yeah, they're your nephews. Yeah. Well, it's good that you like your nephews' drawings because you love your nephews. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that's what, you know, and most of my friends, if not all of my friends, completely understand that fact, which no one is as interested in their child and what their child does as much as they are. And they get that. And that's what you, of course not. Right. But a lot of parents don't seem to get that. And, um, and so everything is very important, you know, and, and everything becomes about that. And well, like you said, it does kind of lead into an invasion of privacy of the kid too, when they're showing all these, when they're, they're sharing all these pictures of their children and doing various things that they might not, themselves want to share or might not, you know, it's a, it completely removes their autonomy to, to not only share their art, but to share pictures of them doing stuff and their, their kids' whole lives as if it's a sort of proxy life. Yeah, there's, I, th- I'm, I mentioned it in the book, I think, but it's, it's something like before they're, before they're five or something like that, that, the average parent would have shared a thousand photos of that child to everyone, to Facebook or, or whatever. Um, before the age of five. They've obviously got no say about that. Um, and I remember as a kid being embarrassed if my mum brought out a picture of me as a little kid to show one of my girlfriends. And you imagine what it's like for these children now. It's just going to be this absolute catalogue of every waking moment, mm-hmm. no matter what. And, uh, and it's not for the kids. It's for, to make mum and dad look interesting or get likes or whatever it is. You know, it's, um, yeah, keep it to yourself. Speaking on on the social media thing and sharing baby photos, I follow a lot of well, not influencers, influencers, but women who have brands, digital brands, and a lot of them promote their brands, whether it's a podcast or a dig- there's a lot of digital services out there. But they use the photos of their children to attract clients because it's catchy. They have you know the perfect family photo or of their baby, and they. A lot of them are new mothers, so they add that element into their business, into their blog, into their makeup artistry, whatever. But and I read the comments, and it kind of it shifts the focus. It does attract a lot of the mom, a lot of the moms to their business. The amount of likes go up. Like it's it, they use children as promotional tools, essentially. I mean, you see this a lot, and. I'm always interested in the business side of how people build brands because I'm working on one myself. So I just find it interesting the amount of, well, also getting sponsors, all that sort of thing. The the business of using your child to get ahead, essentially. Huge on Instagram. Huge on, Instagram is the one I 
is really the most common. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, you got to use what you got. I use the Rocky Mountains because I live close to them, and that always gets attention. And people, and I don't have pets, so you know, some people use pets. Those two, whichever. I don't know which where they are in the frame here. I don't use my dog. All I do is share my dog. Just because she's cute. I'm not using her for anything. She has only posed with my book like three times. <laughs> but it is cute, and it does get attention. But it's interesting how children babies especially because after a certain age they don't really use the teenagers i mean none of these these women influencers online had children over the age of 10 it seems like so you know they use all the cute baby photos to to get promotions to get uh attention to get clients essentially which uh, i hope that's not the reason why they have kids <laughs> you know that that worries me but it's it's I, I think someone will have had a, a child because it will look good on social media. Yeah, exactly. Because the fact that you've had that thought means that someone else will have had that thought and done it. Yeah. Um, it obviously doesn't mean most people are doing it, and you would hope hardly anyone's doing it. But it's a it's a quite an ugly way to make money. I would have thought. Um, Kid doesn't, I mean, it's very unlikely that your dog in a few years is going to go through its own Instagram feed and and bark when it sees a picture that you've posted. He's very smart. <laughs> he's he's going to have to be very smart with opposable thumbs as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think it mixes well with social media uh, parenting because it's either, it's used as sort of a shield or, or a weapon to sort of say, well, I'm a parent, so, or as a, as a mum, blah, you know, that kind of identity thing. Um, or it's used to just get sympathy in other ways or to get likes or, or popularity or approval. None of those are reasons to have children. You know, none of them. So... Um, what is a reason to have a child? Search me. I don't know. I mean, I think there's plenty of reasons to adopt or to foster. And I think that's about the most noble thing you can do. And, you know, you can do it with animals as well. And you can do it with with people. Just to circle back to, you know, the kids, parents posting kids on social media, all the pictures, everything that they do. Um, all those pictures are actually now property of Facebook. Instagram, you know, in the the user agreement that you check that nobody reads. So that means those pictures can't be ever taken out of the internet, ever, because they don't belong to you anymore. I have a friend, she lives in France. Um, she has two kids. She never, ever posts anything about her children on social media. Like she'll send the pictures like through WhatsApp or, you know, and say, here's baby's doing fine. Don't share this picture with anyone. Which I yeah. think is the most reasonable way to manage that, I guess. Yeah, I think it's, I think there's going to be more and more of that as well. I think it will expand that because this is the first generation, these kids growing up now are the first generation that have grown up purely in a digital age. You know, it's all they will know. Um, And so it's going to throw up things like this more and more where they will take issue with what their parents have done. And there's... um, and if you think about it as well, just think about the the, the act of um, uh, one of my cats just came in the cat flap. Thank <laughs> you. They. Um, I, I like to think with social media. I like to think try and transpose that behaviour 
um, into the real world? And would you would you do it in any way, shape, or form, or come close to it? And you, of course, you wouldn't. You wouldn't go up to someone that you've never met, um, that you know, have known for maybe a month by looking at pictures that they've that they like, um, and then say, "Here's a picture of my kid." And go, you wouldn't do that. So why are you doing it? And it is for social currency reasons. Well, you mentioned in your book about how parents use their children as their identity or their children become their identity. And this is, you know, a big thing on social media like we've been talking about. It's it's no longer, well, they, they say it's no longer about me, it's about my child, but you still exist. You as a person still exist in this world. Your dreams still exist, you know. But my biggest thing is, is I, I just feel bad or worried for people that, hide behind the child thing without knowing who they are, because eventually the child's going to leave, grow up, do its own thing and not live a life the way you thought it was going to thought the child, I say it all the time. I think that's fine if you're not. <laughs> that's what I do. I, I listen to myself and I'm like, wait a second. It's a human being. The child is going to grow is. up, have its own identity, have their own identity. And you still have to figure out who you are. And if you're going to live a long life and you're, you know, I just, I want to have that conversation with somebody, you know, because I'm curious because we, we all go through it. And I'm sure parents know different, but no, I, I see a lot of hiding behind a child as an excuse why or why you can't do something. Well, it, it, it's like, um, uh, I don't know, the re- one of the reasons I think I, I got stuck on this reason for why I didn't want to have kids. Um, over and over again, over the years, this was what kept coming into my head was mainly because I just didn't, I didn't really want to have them. And I always felt that no matter what was happening around me, however, what other reasons people had for having kids, um, it felt like something important enough that you should only do it if you really want to do it. And if I had any kind of wavering, I thought, well, then don't just don't do it. Now, I never even got close to the wavering stage. Um, but I think a lot of, a lot of parents go into it, well, you know, wavering, they're not, they're not sure it's what they want to do. Um, there's an awful lot of societal pressure on particularly women, but on people generally to, to do it. And so, um, yeah, you, I think you get into it and you think, uh, so who am I then? Who am I? Because that's what we do for most of our lives, to be honest, is still, you know, just trying to work out who we are. And um, so putting in your social media bio, mum or dad, means you haven't got to do anything else. Women are more guilty of it. They have, they'll, you know, you'll see wife, mom, wife to, no, sorry, mother always comes first. Mother to so-and-so, wife to so-and-so. Um, but it's not just the wife and mother thing either. It's you have... Uh, like groups on Facebook, you have pilots' wives, you have army wives, you have marine wives. I mean, it's very important, apparently, to women to be identified as who they're attached to. Yeah, I think with with men, I can't speak to why women do it necessarily, but I think with men, a lot of it makes them, I think they think that it softens them up, right? It makes them somehow a little bit more empathetic, less selfish, mm-hmm. and, and somehow wiser because they haven't left the house for four years. 
you know, other than for work. Um, so it makes them wiser and blah, and all this sort of blah, blah, blah. And of course, you know, just go out into the world, throw a stick, you'll hit a parent who's an idiot, just like you would a normal person. I think, you know, yeah. just um, piggybacking off this subject uh, of parents kind of losing their identity and becoming parents, there's also the fact that most parents think that their kids are special. And you also touch on this in the book. Like every parent will say, oh, my kid is so special. Um, and it's, it's actually very, very funny the way the approach that you took uh, on that subject. I urge all the people who are listening to this to actually read the book because it's actually very funny. Thank There's you. one thing that really caught my attention. Um, one of the things, one of the, one of the um, chapters of your book. And I know this is meant um, as, you know, being, uh, I mean, part of the narrative. I'm not, this is why I want to ask you how true this is, but you make a scoreboard <laughs> of, you know, how special your kid is. And the thing that takes the, the highest score is a trans kid. Mm. Is that I mean, because I, in my country, it's a completely different reality. So I wanted to, you know, ask you a little bit about that. So it's, yeah, I did that because, um, so those scores are based on, uh, uh, obviously they're completely arbitrary. I just make this stuff up, right? But we're going through this last couple of years where it has become the, the sort of almost certainly Western topic to talk about on social media for for parents, if you want to sort of differentiate your kid, um, was around trans. And this isn't any critique of the trans movement or, or any of that stuff, which is a whole other can of worms that I'm not opening right now. But what you saw on social media were parents. So it's not the children. Again, this is the parents diving in and saying, literally saying in some cases, my child is special, is more special. Um, because they identify as X or Y. Um, but also there was, there's, I think I quote them in the book. One of, one of these idiots said um, that their, their kids have been sent from heaven to show us how to be kind because they're trans. Or, and it was like this, they're trying to score. They're saying, well, it used to be, you remember when it was Asperger's? Remember when people were sort of really... Oh, we've got undiagnosed Asperger's. That's a really important thing. And then there be, it go, moves in trends. And this is particularly bad um, with social media. It seems to just go in waves um, with press coverage, social media coverage. Now, I think as with most things on social media, it's a tiny, tiny minority. Um, you know, Twitter isn't the real world and so on. But it was, um, yeah, at that sort of moment, at last, most of last year, I would say, if you had, um, and I've got friends who've got kids who go to school with parents with, whose kids are trans as well, um, and they're, they're repeating this stuff. They're saying this is what's happening, is the parents are pushing a lot of the agenda, which is bizarre. Um, and, um, yeah, some parents will be doing it for the right reasons, obviously, and you would hope, you hope so. But some of them are trying to exploit it, undoubtedly. And that's what it was about. It was about saying, look, my, my kid's got something um, that they're really struggling with. I'm going to use that mm. as some sort of currency. It's, that's the most awful thing you could do. 
exactly. It's um, not not just with trans, but with any any genetic or any disease that a child has, whether it's cancer or autism or what whatever. I mean, we are creating. We can create businesses and income using anything, obviously. And using children is a big one because you think of how many companies out there are geared towards families. So using a illness or using a cute face, a cute face or using something that your child is going through as a way to get a big company on board to pay your mortgage. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I, I am trying to have a business based on me being child free, but the only baby photos I can use are my own of me, which I have permission to do. But uh, I'm not saying like it should be completely it's wrong because I understand that aspect. But but I just if, if you're if you're doing it with less than good intentions, if it's just about money, if it's just about getting attention because it makes you look better or feel like it makes you look better because you're the parent that has to to deal with this and this is a struggle and I I don't like that it, it doesn't sit well with me because I I grew up religious and they always use this term struggle like the harder you have to struggle in life the greater your reward leader is in heaven is basically how I grew up and when I see a lot of these parents who are using the struggles that their children are going through um whatever they may be and taking it on, I mean, it's, it's a huge responsibility. I get that. But to profit from it or to, you know, if you're creating a foundation, if you're bringing awareness, I'm all for bringing awareness. That's fine. I don't mind if you're sharing your story about your child or the experiences that you have because that's community is important. It's important to bring awareness that because a lot of us live in our own bubbles and we don't know what goes on with other things. So it's good to bring the awareness, but if you're doing it from a narcissistic viewpoint, point of view where it's just all about you and look how good this makes me because I have to deal with this all the time. My child is dealing with this, this, and this, and because they are, and I'm so good at it, like that I hate because sometimes it's really obvious that that's what the person is doing. Well, Tom, it's been a pleasure having you here with us today. Um, so when, where, if our audience is interested in reading your book, and guys, honestly, you have to read this book. It's hilarious. Yes. Where can they get it? Where can they find more information about you? Just spill it all. So uh, if you go to uh, yourchildrenareboring.com, so the, the website of the book, um, uh, you can find uh, links to buy. It's available on Amazon, um, on paperback and Kindle. And um, I write pretty regularly on Medium as well um so you can you can find my articles there none of which are about parenting yet but i think it might be my new niche so uh yeah <laughs> so yeah you can and, find me there and there are a few tom jameses on medium so look for the image of a guy walking on a beach oh uh, yeah but we're going to leave uh, our audience the links uh in the description of this video below so you can check out tom's medium um profile if you can go to amazon buy his book support the cause of people's children being boring um, <laughs> it's a good cause it's, it's, uh, so that's it for this episode thanks for watching us today or listening to us on our podcast you can reach us on email at childfreegirls at gmail.com if you have any questions topic ideas anything you want to chat with us about
We are also on social media. Just look for the at sign child free girls and um, whatever you can think of on a list of social media. We're probably there except the really new stuff. Okay. So mainly Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, pretty regularly, occasionally on TikTok. Um, Pinterest. Can I get them all? Huh? Pinterest. Oh, Pinterest. Okay. Yes. But we're most active conversationally on Facebook and Instagram. And actually Instagram is probably the top one. In Tom's book, he, he has a little section where he's talking about sitting on a bus and a little kid looks between two seats at him as if he's waiting for some kind of reaction or something. I want to know what your typical reaction is when a kid stares at you or looks at you between bus seats. And I'm not even going to guide you in any direction. I just want to know what you do. You can leave it down there wherever you're, wherever you're listening to this. Leave, it, leave your comments down there. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.